a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. You're listening to a Zero Limits podcast brought to you by Two Ravens Tactical. Your hosts are Australian veterans, Matt and Shane, and we're here to give you the motivation to accomplish any goal you set your mind to. On these podcasts, we're going to be speaking to high-charging people with a zero-limit mindset that never say no. Let's go. On today's Zero Limits podcast, we are speaking to Australian freestyle motocross rider, Blake Bilko-Williams. He's a multi-time X Games medalist and all-around globetrotting freestyle motocross rider. Starting off in motocross and then moving over to freestyle motocross, Bilko found instant success when he made his mark when he debuted on the international stage of X Games in 2006. Since then, Blake has been at the forefront of freestyle motocross, globally winning major events throughout the world, as well as being a constant fixture on the Nitro Circus World Tour. Being known as one of the most entertaining riders in the world, Bilko has also showed his all-around versatility by having successfully raced in the Global Rallycross Series as well as winning a Pikes Peak Porsche Class GT4. Ladies and gentlemen, Bilko Williams. Well, this is a first for us and uh, coming from the Nitro Circus. Yeah, mate, yeah. For this, you're it. You're the first guy. Oh, yeah. Fun. And uh, so first off, Shane, mate, uh, we're here to introduce uh, Blake Williams, better known as uh, Bilko. Well, you got to bloody introduce yourself, mate. It's your first podcast. No, you're right, Matty mate. Morris, he's, so, he's my security guard on uh, on tour. He keeps me out of any kind of trouble I get into. And yeah. then this is your new mate who likes the Navy. <laughs> used to. Used to like the Navy. Used to like the Navy. Yeah, right. All right. Well, Belko, mate, if you can uh, give us a bit of a rundown on your story, how uh, uh, so where you started from, you, Baxter. Baxter and Victoria. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you about a three-minute version, which is more than I've gotten bed. Um so I'm 35 now. I've uh, been riding freestyle motocross professionally for 15 years. I grew up racing BMX with my sister. She was really good. I wasn't that good. Um, then I graduated to riding motorcycles. We lived on 10 acres, so I always had somewhere to ride. And then uh, at the age of 12, I decided to start racing dirt bikes. Still love to jump. At 18, I was doing a lot of supercross, started doing freestyle. And then uh, I was doing an apprenticeship as a full-time fitter and turner. And then yeah, right. after my third year, I quit. And uh, I was in X Games the following year. So that was pretty cool. And since then, I've been living in America on and off since 2004. Yep, yep. Sure. Yeah, right. Is, it, is that such a thing now? Yeah, yeah. You, Canada and I think the, Canada, you got to give your passport up and just have one citizenship. But uh, you can be dual with the – I think UK and Australia, you're allowed to have two. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, nice. That's good. How did, how did you get onto the tour? How did you get scouted to start with? Like, obviously, you um, can't, like, titles are here in Australia. Then someone goes, this, this bloke's a fucking sick cunt, and we're just going to put him on? Yeah, well, obviously, back then, there was no social media, and, and but the sport wasn't very big either. It was pretty much the Americans that come over and ride the shows, and it was kind of when the backflip was first been around for a couple of years, and maybe there was 20, 30 people in the world that had done it. And, yeah. And uh, me and my buddy from Australia, Cam, we, we uh, both landed a flip. And then pretty much got hit up instantly to, to do some shows with the backflip and stuff because it was such a huge trick. But, you know, yeah, right. fast forward 10 years and it's a it's a warm-up trick. But uh, back then it really put you on the map and that's kind of how I just got in straight into the touring. Plus I was riding, you know, racing the Supercross, doing the freestyle show at yeah. the Supercross as well. And then we'd uh, stay overnight and the following day the Supercross promoter had turned it into a monster truck track and we'd do another freestyle show. So it was kind of kept me busy with everything and then that just built my profile in australia and as yeah freestyle was new back then so it was maybe five six seven eight nine ten guys in the whole country that rode so yeah yeah, yeah. It was easy to get picked out of the bunch yeah right i remember growing up my brother was heavily in like love with dirt bikes and all that sort of jazz and we had a poster of you on our wall and for years and years, and uh, I just so, wonder what poster it is. <laughs> and um, what, what do they do with it? It was all bloody crusty by the time we finished with it. And um, got, mate, it was <laughs> it was you and a few other guys. Like there was heaps of guys, but he loved like Metal Militia, Crusty um, Demon. So our whole wall was just covered in all the, like these dirt bikes and fucking all these chick from the Ralph magazine. For everyone out there, Ralph magazine was around then. Oh, I got a funny story about Ralph. They came out to do some photos with me uh, in 2008, and I thought, beauty, they're going to bring some smoking hot chick in a red bikini. And uh, they brought a dude with a red Ralph shirt out and um, <laughs> a lady photographer who probably weighed as much as you two boys put together. And then um, so I was jumping in the phone pit and doing everything, and I had one of my dickhead mates there. He's a concreter. I grew up with him, and he's a massive smart ass. And he's, the, lady, the, the lady photographer was like, oh, that looks really funny. He goes, oh, he'll take you. He'll jump in with you. And I'm like, no, Jake, no. Can't, can't do it. And he's like, no, no, he'll take you for sure. So the big the big rig comes over and he's like, all right, take me for a jump. And she sat on the front of my bike. And when I hit the ramp, I only did a small jump, but when I hit the ramp, because she wasn't really ready for it, she fell backwards. Oh, so no. we looped out, heaps bad, and then landed vertical. And I was laying in the pit and she was just squashed on top of me. And um, and then she couldn't get off for about 20 minutes. And you, you, they'd use the crane to help her out. Yeah, right. <laughs> the higher so get her. <laughs> I got ripped off by Ralph. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Well, mate, well, I want to go back to, you know, more, you know, you starting with Krusty's and, um, you know, how that transitioned into Nitro Circus. Yeah, well, basically, I once, you know, I started doing the Krusty tour. There was the, it's called the Super Kicker Ramp. You've probably heard of it on tour. Yeah. Uh, that was what we were flipping back then. So I had to get learned to, to do that consistently. But And what, what year was it? What, what year are we talking? 2000. Uh, this is probably the start of 2005. 2004, I did my first flips, and then 2005 is when I learned to do it off a little bit bigger gap. But that was just, you know, we used to just put hay on the landing and and just sail it. And if you if you crash, the hay was a little bit of cushion, but not much from that height. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's all we had resources for back then. You know, there was no phone pits, there was no airbags. So, yeah, yeah kind of worked the hard way with that. And then, you know, that was through 05, and then – you know, kept flipping and practicing. And in 2006, we got the advantage to use a foam pit and um, just felt right at home doing tricks upside down. That's when I invented the cliffhanger flip, and that's what got me my X Games invite. I also traveled to America 
just paid my own way and did three contests at the start of uh, 2006. And that yep. was a huge learning curve because I'd never ridden anything but apart from a single jump, you know, like just in the yeah, backyard or a show. And so when you got there, they had some like two jumps in a row and, you know, like eight or nine different jumps inside the whole stadium. And I ended up messing one up and pulling my clutch in when I went to flip and landed on my front mud guard and cart with my brains out. So that was a bit of a, I didn't yeah, get hurt, right. which was good. But yeah, it was all, all new learning, you know, contests and, yeah. and things like that rather than just shows. And Took me a little while to get used to that, but um, I always ended up trying too hard, which was my biggest downfall. I'd either get in the podium or end up in an ambulance or just make a stupid mistake. Yeah. Well, yeah, back, back to, that, that helped me get my best trick invite that year at X Games, though, so, you know, it all paid off. And then, yeah, went there and got a bronze medal in my first year. Yeah. That was 2006, correct? Yeah, I'm just reading it here. Yep. And then the next one, the Mountain Dew Panasonic Open. Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew. Yeah, well, yeah, 2007 was a as an awesome year. The first six months, I come out and I was riding with so much confidence and learning a bunch of new tricks and inventing a bunch of new tricks. And then I went to America to the first contest of the year. And I, uh, you get two runs and your best run counts. I'd done my first run and the worst I could finish was third. And then I messed up my in my second run. And instead of pulling off, I thought I'd, you know, I'll show these guys what's up. I'll give them one more for the crowd. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I fucked that up pretty good and shattered shattered my whole left leg. Uh, broke five toes, shattered and dislocated my ankle, broke my tib and fib and blew my knee out. So I've yeah, had right. Nine, I've had nine surgeries on that leg since 2007. Yeah, I've Jesus seen your Christ. legs and uh... yeah, you've seen me. You've seen my pins. <laughs> it's like uh, the guy from uh, Scary Movie with the hand, but it's his legs. <laughs> Take my strong hand. I got, I got like two right, two right feet. My my, uh, my right. Leg is bent 12 degrees and my ankle sits 15 degrees off axis. Yeah. Jesus That's Christ. Hectic. So you got a pretty, like, pretty, you know, impressive uh, metal display at the end of the day and, uh, you know, successful riding. You know, yeah, what, I mean, I, I, I will say I am the bridesmaid of speed and style. I've got three silver medals in a row. Yeah. My missus would like me to get second a bit more often, but. As far as X Games go, uh, yeah, I'm the king of the silver medal. Yeah, I actually I'm watched one. Yes, I watched one yesterday. It was uh, Mike Mason beat you in 2014. Oh yeah, he smoked me. That wasn't even close. The next year, I was winning. I was winning, getting going back with the fourth, and I crashed with half a lap to go. Yeah, that was devastating. I think uh, for me, like um, when I watch X Games, you know, growing up watching X Games as well, speed and style, like that's always the most exciting and fun one I reckon out of all it's, the contests. It's a contests. lot easier to follow if you're not a fanatic of the sport. Yeah. You don't have a nitpick. Like eight guys go out and ride for 60 seconds and do a bunch of tricks. It's really hard for the for the average person to grasp why a person scored what they did. They might think yeah, that exactly. was spectacular, but it might be 10 years old. So That's it, yeah. That, Speed and style, I mean, it does have that little trick element, but it's only four tricks and it's a race, so there's a checkered flag. I mean, I... I it's a love-hate uh, relationship with judge sports because you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, sometimes. of course. So, yeah, the speed and style bit had a really good element to, into it with the, the timing. So, you know, if someone's – even if you won, if it was close, then, it, you know, it's it's a lot easier to understand the judge's decision between two people like a head-to-head. So, yeah, and it, it was really entertaining and exciting. Plus, we had the advantage uh, two times at X Games uh, when it was too windy to run freestyle. Um we uh we still ran the speed and style contest, so yep. it, it meant two years where a lot of the riders didn't get to compete, and you know speed and style still goes ahead. The fans get to see it, but um yeah, so I mean I kind of transitioned to that later in my career. I should have started it early. I just I, I don't know. It was it was pretty full on at the time, and I was dealing with a lot of injuries when it first came out. So yeah, I just focused on the freestyle, and then 
you know, I just went double backflip, started coming around front flip. So I'd made the decision that I'm never going to learn that. I don't really want to. I've risked it. Yeah. That's it. So you can't can't learn those tricks without hours in the foam pit. And even the foam pit's dangerous. The airbags are dangerous. That's it. Yeah. one mess up in there is almost as bad as the yeah. you get it. Really and wrong, so. Cam, Cam Sinclair kind of showed how bad a double backflip can go. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah, they're obviously. I mean, I'm not really the strongest guy either. And you know, with that with that smaller ramp back in the day, you really had to muscle that thing around. So obviously, that moon booter ramp, the taller one, is a, lot, a little bit easier now. But I've only just rotated one on that, and that I got whiplash in the foam pit. I yeah, right. Guy. Do you still ride now? Like, uh, like X Games and whatnot. Or have you no, I, they uh, speed and style finished in 2015, which was a bummer, and then um, okay. yeah, they never put it back in. So it was it was just the freestyle contest or best trick, which uh, you know I ain't going to compete in either of those anymore. I did I did 10 years at X Games competing and everything, yeah. so Same I felt time. like I I didn't really didn't really get out unscathed. And if I was to go back and do all that, I'd, I'm going to hit the ground again. And I try yeah. to keep it consistent. In saying that though, like in the last couple of years, I've watched your riding. Obviously, I'm at this. I'm there. Every, you know, every working, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to stack it so I can run over and help you up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're riding like there's a couple of you older guys that have just started to turn that page where it's getting back into the you know it's it, you, you, your tricks and style has just been finessed like it's absolutely perfect. Like Adam Jones, the same thing. It's just perfect. Like when you see a trick. I think we go in, um, you know, in cycles, like for a little bit there, you know, you lose motivation for a little while and then you got to kick yourself and say, hey, you know, go out there and, and put on a good show. You, there's plenty of people that pay to be in your, love to be in your position. So, um, you got, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And that new ramp, the Moonbird, I just felt really comfortable off that. And it just the way it floats straight up and down, it was a lot easier to do some of the flip, flip tricks that I used yeah. to. So I started doing stuff I hadn't done for years, which was, which was pretty cool. So, and it's all a confidence thing too. So, yeah. I mean, I'm confident in everything I do at a show. It's not all the stuff I used to do. I mean, the, the trick I broke my ankle on in 2007, I invented it three months before that, and then I've yeah, right. done it. So, wow. yeah, I, I went from zero to hero, doing it bigger <laughs> and better, and, and, and just thinking I had it on lock to messing it up once, shattering my leg, and, and never doing it again. So yeah. I've, I've tried. tried you got to rotate the bike really fast to do that. I'll give you a quick explanation. But if you don't do the trick, then you tend to over-rotate, and I – pulled really hard on the bike and then um yeah landed completely without the motorcycle just over rotated to the flip and a half so i haven't even got the confidence to do that now because every time i spin fast i shit myself and i don't jump off so there's nothing to slow it down yeah right let's let's talk about the uh tours so you've been 10 years uh and done over 300 shows for nitro circus yeah, plus before that, I did, uh, I did over 100 Krusty shows too. That so is they fucking... Were, they were a little bit more wild. So the Krusty shows were more more wild? Yeah, I mean, that was back when it was more of a rock and roll. Yeah, 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 like, definitely. Strippers in cages and... Yeah, yeah. yeah all that kind of, all the good oh. stuff. Oh, before it became a family show, thanks, Travis. But, um, <laughs> no, we... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a bit more wild. Like, they had ghost riding bikes in the show. It was all kind of basically a carnage mentality. But, I mean, we... we still rode you know we went out there to wreck ourselves and kill ourselves but um yeah. Yeah, the whole show was just based around carnage and pyro and and all that so yeah we had some pretty wild times with that and um that was pretty fun so that was 2005 through to 2009 and then uh nitro started in 2010 yeah and yeah, we did the first uh yeah the first show was in brisbane and um then that was a long week of rehearsals but yeah we had our motor stuff down in in a day and a half it was all the other side that they'd never done before yeah they were, they were still getting ready on show day but uh 
yeah, since then it's been 300, I'd probably say 330 shows now. And you've got countries and, like sorry, yeah, India, yeah. we've been to you know, like all over Australia, all over New Zealand, uh, India, China, uh, Macau is pretty much China, uh, Japan, all over Europe. I mean, it's easy yeah. to name the places I haven't been in Europe. So Yeah, I'm the same. What has been the most like hectic tour or the hectic like stadium, you, uh, whether it be like the crowd was just fucking bonkers or the after parties were just mental? <laughs> like, Perth, what is Perth, are the, Perth. Perth are the wildest crowds yet. Like, we, uh, the first few years we went there, 05, 07, like they storm the fence every time. They put yeah. security. You'd be struggling, mate. Yeah. You could have a punch. Now, um, they, uh, they have two fences at the Perth at the Burswood Dome, and like they used to get through both of them, just shaking them back yeah. and forth. Fuck and security me, dude. Stand back. Uh, one was pretty funny. It was at um, Kiwana. It's a drag strip just out yeah, there. Yep, yep. Um, so, the, yeah, the crowd jumped over that, and we just all pinned it back to get through the concrete tunnel at the start of the drag strip because they can't get through there. And then, um, yeah, they tipped over the ramps and they get about 10 people on each end of the ramp and they just spin it around on the flat ground <laughs> and then the airbags on the back of the portable landings, they were jumping off. They laid them flat and they were jumping off and um, some dude was sitting on the airbag. He just landed and the next guy jumped and he kind of did it like a blob and it yeah, just launched him. off and he, uh, he broke his femur. Um, why, why are they so fucking crate crazy in, in Perth? Are they just I got no idea. I mean, they don't get that stuff that often, but yeah, they, they every time there was fights in the crowd, there was like throwing beers over the fence, you like you name it. It was um, yeah, it was always pretty entertaining. We were just sitting on the on the down route at the end of the show, like, come on, yeah, come on, yeah. There, there oh, has yeah. there has been uh, some other crazy ones. That Geneva show probably a couple few years ago, two thousand. Janine- yeah, Geneva and, had, and uh, nice, nice France. Yeah, Nice France was crazy yeah. as well. We had heaps they of jumpers. Crazy, they don't get crazy like they're going to jump the fence. Yeah. But when they do the rider intros, like you can't hear your name through the speaker. Yeah. They're not absolutely mental. Yeah. And, and we little had, France. Yeah, and we had a, we had a streaker at, in, in Nice. No, it was in uh, Geneva, actually. Streaker or a bloke? Uh, that was a bloke. Oh, fuck yeah. And yeah, uh, <laughs> Jimmy, 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 uh, Jimmy ended up tackling him. Track, track <laughs> <course he> did. <laughs> Jimmy loved it. <laughs> when you guys tour, um, how do you guys travel around Europe in a bus or do you guys get flown around? Because Europe's quite um, um, congested. Yeah, Europe, Europe's a bus. That's a good question. So in America and Europe, we go on buses. The difference is the American buses are single-decker, clapped-out, rickety old shitboxes. Picture this. They've got a DVD player in the bunk. Fuck. Like who the fuck? Who the fuck has DVDs these days? <laughs> Navy shit. How are they going to going to go in a bus while you're bouncing down the road? So yeah, they're they're pretty shitty. There's not really enough room for twelve people on there. But you go to Europe and they're two story. They sleep sixteen yeah. people and they're okay. just like all brand new. You got a nice like quiet sleeping area. There's room for like ten people upstairs, ten people downstairs. Yeah, you know, movies, yeah. Netflix, all that shit, and PlayStation and everything. So mm. they're rad. And, and the advantage with that when you go to Europe is, as you said, traveling, changing countries and yeah. checking into hotels, it sucks if you do it every second day. So yeah. yeah, we live on the bus and you get, every time we got a day off, we get a hotel, a night in the hotel. So it kind of breaks up the bus. But, you know, we'll do like two shows in Germany and then go to Poland the next, next night and, is a like a road trip with your mates, like the first time, like the first few days, everyone's just fucking pumped and amped and by like the last hour of the drive, the last like two hours, like fuck another fucking backflip. Here we go. Is it, yeah, is it like I mean, that? It's not, it's not too bad. Like the buses, they take away all the, the hotel bullshit and like, you know, flying just, in. Yeah. And when you do the group stuff, like I've, I've flown that many times on platinum, so I can just walk straight to the front of the queue. They fucking check in, flexing. don't pay for access, mm. and go to the lounge or whatever. But 
when you travel with 40 people, most of them 20, 20 year old BMX kids who don't know how to wipe their own ass. Um, like we have kids. to leave the hotel like four <laughs> hours before our flight, just so everyone can do a group check in and yep. it just makes it torture. And then your seats are already pre-allocated. So you're sitting next to someone you don't like and yeah, then or someone stuck to me is, is what they usually Who say. Who is the worst but, person? Yeah, Sorry. Hey. Who's the worst yeah, person? Yeah, then you got to wait for everyone to get their bags and then a bus to the hotel. It just like half the yeah. time, me and my buddy would get to the airport, we'd land and we just get get our bags and get an Uber and yeah. having to wait for everyone to get their <laughs> shit. So that's what makes it really drag on. But the buses are fun. You just wake up at the stadium, go in, do your shit. Like if we do three nights in a row, sometimes I won't practice for the for the third night. It's like you've jumped the same jump for yeah. the last ten years and. It's not going to change tonight. So, yeah, yeah if you do that to save a bit of energy if you want or if you've had a big night on the bus, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the actual actual bike. So are you sponsored by a certain brand or you were at the time? Uh, back like in my heyday, uh, 05 through to 2009, I was bred for factory Honda through Australia yep. and um, my shoe deal in America came with free bikes. So that was Jesus. That was when shoe, shoe sponsors were huge back in like 2006, yeah. 2012. Then they all just fell off the map. But um. Yeah, so my, I back then I just rode Hondas, and then um, I just bought a KDM. But it's it's because I choose that because of the size. It's the only brand that make a three fifty. Yep, yep. So uh, half, halfway between a two fifty and a four fifty, yep. I'm not. You're only a small guy like, too, are you, Blake? Yeah, so I'm yep. pretty I'm pretty small and not that strong. So instead of having a four fifty, the three fifty is enough for me. And then yeah. I just without having to have having been tied to the brand, it's a lot easier to change your bike color and just have it suit black with the monster logos, you know, because they're my main sponsor. So it's just it's just easier if I don't have to run an orange bike. And it's a tax write off for me anyway. When you race motocross, you basically destroy your motorcycle yeah. every weekend. You get mm. filthy, muddy. You you wear everything out. You scratch all your graphics. Where freestyle shit we ride around in second gear the thing looks like showroom condition its whole life so you can get away with buying one bike and i've, I've got one two here two in oz and they'll last me two years for all of them even longer yeah right i Do split you- my time between all four bikes i've got one that goes away on tour one that i practice on and then yeah between two here and two in oz you know i keep 2017, 2018, 2019, just, was, just turn them over every two or three years. Yeah, I like that. Was there ever a chance for you to race in the GP, like Jack Miller and Stoner and whatnot? Was there any chance no, for you? I to- never did any road course stuff, so <laughs> no, nah, I've actually never tried it, to be honest. I mean, okay. it looks fun. I, yeah. I don't I, yeah, I don't know if it would be my cup of tea. I was Even when I did motocross, I just loved to jump. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. why I, I did more supercross than, than motocross, obviously, with my apprenticeship. It was pretty full on, and I was so small back then that, racing like senior level motocross nationals with dudes that were the size of Maddie. Like I just, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't do it for half an hour and I, I just wasn't strong enough to hold the bike that well. So yeah, I just loved the supercross cause it was all the rhythm and, and yeah. jumping and stuff. So yeah, I, I would be, I was be like, you know, maybe make a main event. I was never going to make it professionally in supercross, but I do, you know, top 20 in Oz, but I could jump just as much as the leading guys, yet I just, you know, wasn't wasn't as fast everywhere else. But I, it's probably because I weighed about thirty kilos just from wet. I could just <laughs> get, do it in a short run up. So, do you have uh, kids at the moment, Blake? No, nah, no, nah, no kids. I got no a wiener kid. dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got okay. a we got a sausage sausage dog at home in Oz, which Haley's parents are minding, and uh, we just fostered one here. So Haley's uh, Aussie, is she? Yeah, she's Aussie. So, yeah. um, yeah, so we we're, we're we're uh. We're living here for now. I mean, we go out because um, of the dual citizenship. I could leave Oz during COVID, but um, now it's kind of like shit. I want to come home because it's going normal yeah. there, but it's out of control here. But I still don't think there's any shows that I'll be missing in Australia. So no, 
nah. not much is going on here. So where's nah. do you still go back home to Baxter or do you have a, a, yeah. a place somewhere else? <laughs> I usually spend um you know usually every Christmas and that there like yeah. back when we did we're touring US and Europe it was always in the winter time because it's indoors so that was maybe October through to February and stuff but I'd always go home for Christmas. Maybe maybe not once or twice but yeah the rest of the time I'm always home for Christmas and I try to spend you know January February all the way up until if we do have nitro stuff, <coughs> excuse me, nitro stuff, it's COVID, in um, New Zealand or Oz at the start of the year, it's easier to stay in Oz till, you know, April or whatever and then come back here. Obviously, it gets pretty wet in Melbourne because it's yeah. a cold shithole. But, uh, yeah, so once it rains down there, you can't really practice. So pretty much every year I do a few months over Christmas at home in the summer and then come back here for summer. So it's perfect for surfing, but I don't surf. <laughs> how's, how is, how's your dad anyway? <coughs> Last yeah, time I saw Last time I seen your dad uh, was when we were in New Zealand, and uh, was it New Zealand where was you that were when doing- he passed out and no- left his rental car in the street? Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, that too. But uh, when he wanted to fight that track crew or that other driver in the sprint oh, yeah, car, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, he was that was in New Zealand. That's right. Was. That was just yeah, after that shooting as well. That massacre. Yeah, uh, was it just before or after? It was just uh, just after, just yeah, after just the massacre. After, yeah, yeah. We were in Wellington when it happened. Yeah, it was a week we after. To- yeah. So tell, tell us yeah. a story about that. Yeah, y'all are Travis was meant to race a sprint car in New Zealand and he never came on tour. So they said the next driver thing, you know, I do a bit of four wheel stuff. So the next, uh, next guy in line was me and it's called Superstock. And they, sometimes they have teams events. So you, you and another dude out there and one of the dudes, his whole purpose is to just block you and cut you off. Yeah. Even though you've got a, a, a speedway car that's got six, 800 horsepower, goes fast as fuck the dude just wants to pin you against the wall or try and get you to roll it like pretty bad. And it wasn't even a team's race, but this guy was like, I'm just going to show this fucking kid. I was like, just cause I had a big nitro circus wrap speed speedway car. So he waited till I was lapping him and then he just tried to pin me up the wall and shit. And then he was stopping in front of me. So we were doing a top speed of about three mile an hour. I just parked against the wall and just watching all the other sprint cars drift past. What and the fuck then- yeah, no, so um, I don't know, whatever it is, what it is. I wrote him off on social media after I probably should have done that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all our track crew came to watch and they had a few beers and they all got pretty fired up about yeah. it. And I didn't say anything to the dude yeah. at the time, but they all went there and started fucking abusing him and, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just left like five minutes before with probably six or seven of the other athletes so we went back to the hotel and then I get a call five minutes later and said, the track crew and... Uh, Bill Cohen and his dad are trying to fight another drive. I'm like, fuck. That's the fucking thing. Yeah, back yeah, out there. Was- I ended up driving back out. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, it, was, I was, it is what it was. It was what it was. He's like, I just wanted to give you a good super stock treatment. I'm like, yeah, it was fucking heaps fun going slow. But anyway. <laughs> Moving on to um, obviously the four wheels, um, rally car, rally and a bit of Pikes Peak yeah. as well. Well, Rallycross I did 2015, 2016, just did a few here and, you know, put a little bit of money into it, same as I did when I came to America, you know, just to start out on this dirt bike thing. So I thought I could give it a go. It went pretty well, but, you know, everything in the last few years in America, it's been it's so hard to get sponsorship dollars. And the difference between, like, motorcycles and and car racing is car racing, you need a transporter, you need an engineer, you need tires every time you drive, you need a mechanic, and it's the costs just blow out. Of course. So... 
I've been fortunate enough to do a bunch of stuff with Yokohama. I'm a brand ambassador for them. And for the last two years, I've raced uh, Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Yeah. So I didn't know what that was at first, but it turns out it's the scariest fucking car race you can do in the world. It's also the second longest car race, running car race. So it's been going for 98 years. But uh, yeah, right. it's pretty much in the Colorado Colorado Rockies. It's 20Ks from top to bottom. You start at 9,000 feet altitude and you climb to 14,000 feet. And it's basically no guardrails, just straight cliffs off the yeah. Colorado Rockies. Oh, yeah, I've seen videos. Yeah. And they, yeah, they all look the same. So you might be coming up thinking you can hold it about 80 mile an hour and then you get there and it's, oh, fuck, this is the 40 mile an hour. Yeah, you sent me that footage of you uh, almost going off the side. That yeah, was, that uh, was, that's a pucker that moment. That was a big shit. Big old shit moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of started to slide towards the inside embankment and I'm like, no, nah, I don't hit the wall. So I corrected it, but it snapped back the other way. And then all I just seen was just blue sky off the edge of the cliff and um, spun it round. And literally the, the back wheels went into the dirt on the edge of the road, which is about six inches of dirt before yeah. it goes off the cliff. So my That's back bumper was hanging over. And what was the drop? How far down? Uh, it was probably probably about an angle like that, but it, it just kept just going. kept going. So That's hectic. it. Would have been bye bye Porsche. <laughs> what sort what sort of Porsche do you drive, Blake? In those races, uh, that was a GP four. It wasn't mine, um, but uh, <laughs> nah, yeah, not, not so, yet. Yeah, it's, um, that was all through Yokohama. Yeah, Porsche GT four Club Sport. So, so how do they it. how do they tr- trust you with the Porsche? Do they see your rally, rally cross driving before? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, all that stuff that we've done with Yokohama and that. And I mean, Travis vouched for me pretty well. And the, the Porsche <laughs> you drive, the GT four, it's not um, it's not the fastest. It's and it's got a mid mount engine, so it's really well weight balanced. Yep, and yep. paddle shift like a uh, you know on the back of the steering wheel so it's 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 basically like getting in a go-kart it's a lot easier to drive than say if you had a rear wheel drive car with a front mount engine with heaps yeah. of horsepower it just want yeah. to step out everywhere so yeah it, it's kind of like a very user-friendly car and um yeah but when you when it's a little bit slower you try and push it to the limit to get everything out of it so what was yeah, your time they say the um the racetrack is white line to white line, but you know sometimes you've got two wheels, you know, your inside wheels are hanging half off the edge of a cliff. So just to try and get an extra couple of tenths here and there, so you can beat Travis. <laughs> um, what was the actual actual time for Pikes Peak? Uh, I did ten fifty two, which is which reasonable. Travis yeah. had the record in that car at ten thirty three, but the cars were different from year to year. So yeah. I watched. I, I was really pissed because I. It was actually gonna be a good thing because I wanted to beat his time, but when I realised that I was losing about seven mile an hour, you know, top speed by the time I got to the end of the like uphills, you know, I, I sent him a video of turn two. I went through it at, at I think at 109 mile an hour, and his run last year he was at like 97. So I'm like, I wasn't doing anything wrong that I couldn't have beat him, but the car just it it, it was it had been retuned. It's like a spec class thing, but so that's my excuse, Travis. With the attitude. Ten fifty two. The fastest time ever is seven fifty seven. That's in some I don't know billion dollar Volkswagen electric. Thing. Yeah, the IRDC or something. I think it is. Yeah, I, IDR. Yeah, that thing. Driven by good. Sebastian Loeb, I think. Nah, it was Roman Dumas did the, okay, the IDR. Yeah. Sebastian Loeb did the Peugeot, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. Some yeah, little yeah. turbo thing. Yeah, right. But with the altitude, could you feel the effects on the car? Because obviously, with yeah, the combustion engine, the air's getting thinner. Yeah naturally aspirated so yeah. You, yeah you feel it struggle up the top oh, really? like, yeah. you come out, i was like Bull. yeah like, come on <laughs> but even uh, i mean i mean i'm the highest place i've ever been there's rock so even <laughs> me getting out of the car in between you stand up there and you gotta wait you know you all drive up in single file 40 seconds apart then you gotta wait for everyone for your practice so just walking around up there like i nearly spewed the first couple of times <laughs> so, so you get you get a little oxygen bottle and you just just you can yeah, huff right. off that to, to keep you going but um 
yeah, I think on a race day, the adrenaline kicks in. You don't really feel the oxygen. Oh, you don't yeah. think about it too much. But, um, yeah, you definitely need the bottle when you get to the top. So you do a shoey and have a hit of oxygen. Yeah, right. On my notes, you have said um, it's got a voted grumpiest cunt on tour the last three years. Can you please explain why? Oh, you know, it's just 15 years of touring and just watching the BMX kids do the same dumb shit over and over. And it's pretty funny. This you know, is going to start another war. Yeah, we barely go to the after parties anymore. And then the next day, they're like, oh, you, you missed out, man. This happened. And like, if you can tell me one thing that happened last time that I haven't seen 20 times in the last 15 years, I'll come to the next after party. But I guarantee it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this is not. Yeah, yeah, that's happened before. Yeah. But so, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a long time away from home and that, and I guess the more, the older you get, you kind of want to start to settle down. But then at the same time, when you are at home for ages, like this last year's along, it's almost a year since we did our last show. Yeah. Not traveling and that, you're like, all right, I don't want to get, I want to get back to it now. So yeah, sometimes, yeah, things are a bit up and down and, but yeah, I snapped out of it in the end. Just, I was going through a phase. Good life <laughs> crisis. Well, um, going back to, you know, your, your career in general with uh, injuries, You've got, oh, yeah, I can see. You've got, I just got the picture down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, we've got it here. You've got an oh, impressive uh, resume when it comes to broken bones. That's got quite an updated list. Yeah, this, one this, this one's a bit old, I think. It was uh, a news clipping from Australia from about two or three years ago, so I'd say it's been updated since. Yeah, because there's only one thing, um, uh, there's only three things above the waist, the col- above the knees, the collarbone and the wrists. Yeah. <laughs> But now, yeah, now there's a hell of a lot more. I've yeah. done, I've done six vertebrae and three ribs since then. Yeah, yeah. A, bleed, a bleeding stomach. What the fuck happened there? Did you come guts uh, or just well, run I didn't know at the time. It was, um, it was Good Friday, and I was practicing in the backyard. I'm 80. I was probably about 13 or 14. <laughs> I did this, tried to do this huge jump. I just built. It was built all wrong. It was way too big, and it shouldn't have been jumped. But um, I ended up just cartwheeling, and I just had a sore stomach, and I went inside, and because it was Good Friday, I'd eaten fish, and then I threw it up, and then. The next time I threw up, was it was all red. And I'm like, I didn't need anything red. And then sure enough, threw up again about an hour later. It was all blood oh, yeah. and chunks. That's so they just took me to hospital. And then if I th- I think I threw up three or four more times, just a lot of blood. And then they said once more and we're cutting you open. And yeah, right. It was getting less and less, which was lucky. So they just let me rest and I stopped throwing up. And then, yeah, went back in for a camera, I don't know, a month later. And they said, yeah, I bruised my stomach lining. Yeah. I must well, have a handlebar in there. I've been around for a few of your crashes and – Picked you up and waited till the ambos come and get you in the ambo and kiss on the forehead. Gone. I think the last crash yeah, actually you were trying to show off and uh, you were trying to do a wheelie. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, don't lie. Not. I saw you. You you were trying to show off and you come off and cheese grated. No, I wasn't even doing a wheelie. I just wasn't watching where I was going. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we do all the gnarly shit going, obviously, when we jump the ramp. And then when you ride back, you're riding in a straight line. And uh, I wasn't watching what I was doing. And my front wheel went just off the edge of these plastic sheets are about that thick. And they were, they got so much traction. They're like a cheese yeah, grater. They're, they're terrible. Miles, so they're not after the landing, obviously, because if you crash, you'll tear yourself to pieces. So you're not meant to crash when you're riding back on flat ground. And I wasn't paying attention, and it hooked my front wheel sideways. And next thing you know, I was just skidding along on my oh, head and yeah. tore a big hole in my elbow and broke a couple of fingers yeah. and just had skin off. So, yeah, that was a good one. What has been the worst crash? Do you remember? Well, um, the worst crash I've had was probably at the Melbourne Supercross at the end of 2019. That um, was the worst looking. I got up and walked off, but. Turns out I had four broken vertebrae, three in my back, wow. one in my neck. And you and fucking then, um, walked off from that. 
Yeah, I basically I come up short and I bounced all the way to the ground, head first underneath the motorcycle, and then it bounced up and flung me over. And I guess it was lucky I went so far over that I landed flat under the bike. If you, you know, if you land on a bit of an angle, you, you, your head can come up, and then the bike pole drives you in. Yep, yep. And uh, it's called a scorpion when you kick yourself in the back of the head. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think I went, I went so far over because it was such a tall landing that I went, I rolled underneath the bike, which obviously did, you know, fold my upper body in half, but it did it the right way. So yeah, I walked off from that, and then everyone was freaking out, and um. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what? Well, it was a bad. And they're like, fuck, Brooksy didn't yeah. think I was going to get up. So <laughs> that was like my worst crash. But I walked out of hospital. I mean, I could walk the whole time, but obviously they put me in a brace and stuff for a, for a day and a half till they made sure everything was good. And they were, they were stable fractures. So there wasn't really, a, I didn't need any, wear any bracing or anything. Yeah. But the worst one as far as injury is 07 when I shattered my foot to pieces. And it was kind of like, obviously back then, and there wasn't a lot of people in action sports and but like less injuries and stuff. So, I didn't really have any good recommendations for doctors or whatever. So I ended up getting, I got screwed. I was in hospital and they're like, you got to leave because my foot was too small to operate. And I'm like, well, where do you want me to go? I live in Australia. And they're like, well, you can't fucking stay here. Get out. So I'm like, righto. And then I flew back to California and I just went and seen the local handyman doctor and he (laughs) pretty much fucked up my foot. So I mean, he was a motorbike guy, but he'd do fingers, wrists, elbows. Probably give you a boob job if you wanted, but, um, yeah, you need to see it. You need to see a specialist that you know he does feet only, and he's probably seen a crushed foot like yours before. So <laughs> when he cuts it open, he's not just going to have a guess what he's going to do. But I ended up getting staff in that foot, and then I yeah, had right. to I had to get all the metal work out early, so all the broken, shattered pieces in my ankle just didn't have anything hold them in place. So they all just fused together. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's, that's uh, again, up. it's a pretty impressive uh, injury list. You know, what, what, what goes through your mind? You know, you know, us coming from the military, you know, where, you know, especially yeah, serving overseas, yeah, you know, there's the risk of getting hurt, getting injured, you know, worse, you know, passing away. You know, what sort of thoughts go through your guys' mind when you're doing these crazy things that can literally, and we've seen it, you know, there's been a few guys over the last, you know, 10, 15 years yeah, that have passed some, away from riding. So, yeah, there's been some bad ones. I mean, if you think about that, it's time to retire. So, yeah, I no, mean, you're I'm right. Sure when, you, when you're doing your stuff over there, you, you've got the confidence that you're going to come out of there alive, you know, and it's, if it does, it's a freak accident or it's part of the job. But if, yeah, if there's any doubt in your mind, you know, especially say X Games best trick where you've never landed the trick to dirt, you've only done it in a foam pit, and then you go all the way to LA and you line up in the Staples Center and there's lights flashing on you and pretty gnarly because the guy that tells you to go who's obviously listening to tv he doesn't even look at you and then you're just like what how long and it could be yeah. one minute it could be 10 minutes because they might be doing commercials and all of a sudden you just turn around and he'll hit your bike like go and you're like and if you don't take off in two seconds he hits you again like come on hurry up and go and you're like trying to you're trying to be prepared to drop in and just huck something that you've never done before yeah that guy doesn't help at all. I like, trust me. Yeah, when Travis did <laughs> the first double they made him sit there for about 10 minutes and he's just ding 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 and then he just turns around and he's like yeah. There we go. But, so, but I mean, at that point, when you're sitting up there, you, you've told yourself you know what you're going to do, and there's a fair chance it's going to work. I never really did anything that was super, super crazy. I'm pretty sure everything I did at Best Trick, I'd already landed. Yeah. I mean, but you get guys like the just do body varials or front flips and never do them to dirt and then just show up. Yeah. Well, it's themselves. it's so, just getting bigger and bigger now. Like, you know, like. What? Best Trick now, it's you can see there's a lot more calculated riders in there. Like for for many years. 
best trick that none of the dudes that did best trick did freestyle because they were one trick wonders that's you know spent six months learning this one trick in the foam pit not even to do it to do it just to go and huck themselves at x games for the chance of glory yeah where you're um your freestyle guys that have to do 10 gnarly tricks in 60 seconds you're more calculated about everything you don't want a trick like that in your run so yeah you're more focused on doing a, a repertoire of stuff i mean i did it a little a lot of the years i did both events but it's it's pretty hard to to get a podium in best trick when but I mean sometimes the dudes just huck themselves you know and nine the only three guys that landed were me uh, Lozer and Potter yeah. three guys on the podium five, the other five out of eight um waxed themselves so. yeah that's hectic that's hectic and, oh, Travis was one I beat Travis and Travis got four, so <laughs> when you went to your first um, games or your crusty demons is probably when you were youngest when your first um, stadium experience what were the nerves were you just thinking holy fuck I've made it or were you like fuck if I don't pull this off I'm gonna fucking like just lose it and just head back home um I mean it was like don't, don't screw up, don't screw up. But at the same time, you know, you wanted to impress the other riders. Like mm. they brought a lot of Americans over that we yeah. met for the first time. So you wanted to show them that you could ride. One of the like the best thing, like the best things about racing Supercross and that is being able to ride with the trains and stuff. You know, you, you learn how to ride a motorcycle a lot better than say someone that's just bought a bike and done freestyle only. You know, you learn how to stop in a short amount of space. You learn how to take off in a short amount of space, and um. Yeah, so do, doing all that stuff in the trains, I'm really comfortable with. Some riders, they get freaked out if someone slows down in front of them and they're yeah. coming at the ramp at their normal speed. They can't adjust. So, yeah, it's uh, a little scary when you get people like that in the trains. But, I mean, I, I always just pick the front now. I'm like, screw it, I'll, I'll go up the front. But, yeah, back <laughs> in the day, I mean, I was confident with my riding and stuff and just to learn off the other guys and just really motivated to go and practice. So uh, it was it – was, I was like, yeah, this is my big break, but I can't screw it up. So just going to learn as much as I can, and and this could be the start of a good freestyle career. Yeah. It kind of did help take it off. Well, it certainly was, wasn't it? And here you are, what, 15 years later? Yeah. If not more. 16 years later. 16, yeah. That's right. So what, 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 uh, out of everything you've done in your life, what is the – the, the, you know, the highlight, the number one highlight of your life? Oh, I'm going to have to split it. Pikes Peak and um, and X Games 2009. I mean, I, I, it was great. 2009 X Games, I won freestyle and I got silver and best trick. I, yeah, I probably should have won both, but you know, that was a judge's decision that went wrong. But I was, I just wish 2007 I didn't get hurt at the first event because yeah. I was riding even better than I was in 2009. You know, I, I could have won every contest that year if I didn't make a fucking mistake and show off for the crowd. <laughs> but that's just, that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just, just you. That's just you, yes. Yeah. Because you so are the clown. Can... You are the clown of Nitro. And you well, always have been. Circus needs a clown. 100%. Yeah. Hey, Bilko, before we sign off, uh, we've been chatting for a bit of bit long now. Um, mate, what is any advice any young kid out there who wants to get into um, like the, like an on-tour? Like the, the not circus? even not even just uh, riding, you know, I'd anything. I'd say motorcycle riding in general would be yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah. I mean, given everything with COVID now and, and what shows are going to look like in the future, you know, I mean, football and all those bigger sports, they're getting away with doing things with limited crowds and that, but mm. just nitro, I don't see that when when that's going to come back with all the restrictions and travel and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty dark time for freestyle and, and action sports and everything right now. But, I mean, if you want to, you know, ride BMX, if you want to ride a scooter, I don't recommend scooters, I really will, but <laughs> scooters, BMX, skateboard, dirt bikes, um, it's just all about having fun with it, wearing your safety gear, but just keep trying, persevere with it. Don't take unnecessary risks like I did because it hurts, but <laughs> you'll take a couple of them and you'll learn from your mistakes. But um, yeah, just keep it in check and you just got to, you got to really want to do it. So 
just got to put put all your effort into it and practice hard. You know, I used to ride my BMX, you know, nine days a week. It doesn't make sense, but yeah, yeah but just ride, 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 ride. And then, you know, freestyle, I just practice, 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 whether it was in the backyard at home, whether it was in the foam pit, and just try and perfect everything, you know, write a trick list before you go out or just set some like – that's basically setting goals back then. You know, you'd watch other riders do tricks or you'd start to think of what tricks you could invent and – can I do this upside down? Can't. It all goes back to the same thing. You know, if you've got your BMX at the skate park and you want to, you want to jump the box jump, but you can only jump halfway this week. We'll try and get three quarters of the way next week. You know, yeah. just build up to it. Pushing you're not, you're not going to clear it the first day, and you can't be deterred if you don't make it the first day. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my advice. Do you have any regrets for any of your um, FMX career or any of two? Yes. Uh, lots of stupid mistakes. A lot of my injuries have come from stupidity. So obviously that bonus jump. I mean, there'd been like six dudes that had crashed over the whole five days of the contest. It was dusty. The track was shitty. It was so windy. And everyone was just keen to get out of there. It was two dudes left to ride. And it was like, just don't do anything stupid. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fucking sweet. I got it. What did I fucking do? Just, yeah, splat. Um, next one was 2010. I tried to jump a BMX in the Nitro show. I uh, over-rotated and I had my, I held my motocross gear on so it didn't slide down the landing very well, ripped my knee and tore my ACL. Oh, yeah. uh, 2009, when I, I finished my last run at X Games, I didn't know I won yet. I had a fair idea I was going to do good. I rode off to the side to the Supercross track and ghost rode my bike. He dumped the clutch and let it out from under you. Um, blew my ACL when I jumped off the back of the bike. Wow. So um, that, was, that was another one. Uh, in Perth, I was doing a slow wheelie and looking at the crowd and someone stopped in front of me. And Eyes then I hit the, back of, hit the back of them and um, put my leg out to the side and let, let it went on the um, edge of that tracking stuff there. My bike fell on it and tore my ACL again. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just a lot of injuries from stupid shit that probably shouldn't have happened. And then, you know, sometimes I'll go out and land from almost upside down on a flip and bail out and just skid up with a grazed elbow. But, I mean, yeah, there's regrets, but there's not. You just learn from your mistakes. But, I mean, I didn't learn from the show and off stupid stuff very well. I still it was all fun, though. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I guess the last question is, uh, you know, what's the plans for the future? Oh, shit. You've, got, you've hit me with a curveball here. Cobra have really screwed everything up. It has. It has for everyone. A couple of solid years of touring and, and you know, think about uh, retiring. Obviously, when, you know, my ankle's in such bad shape and it's not actually straight, I've seen some doctors – about getting it fixed and it's it's fixable like can get a lot straighter so my foot actually sits under my leg but it's you know it'd be like a year off so with my situation in my career now it's so taking a year off you might as well just stop now so yeah. um I, i'm just going to hold off till i'm done riding and then i'm going to have the operation and and hopefully get a bit of an improvement in it because right now like i can ride and walk around in boots but i can't run so i'm not going to be able to run even if they straighten it'll still be fused but it yeah it won't sit off yeah like right that, so. yeah so, yeah, do that. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe get back into the family business. I had a good opportunity to do that. Like when I was a fitter and turner, it was uh, my dad manufactured uh, drain cleaning, sewer cleaning equipment and yeah. trucks. But I was meant to take that over in about 2012, 13, 14, and he's like, you're not stopping riding anytime soon. And, you know, I was living here and, you know, still getting paid really well off Monster and doing, yeah. you know, 30, 40 shows a year. It's something, a career that you don't really just, pack it up like it's it's not going to happen again so it was a tough decision i wish i maybe wish i did go back and, and you know pack it up and take over the trade because that's what i did my apprenticeship with and that's where i worked after school growing yeah. up and so it's pretty, pretty much everything i knew i mean obviously 
getting drunk and doing backflips and traveling around the world for 15 years, you forget a lot about what you learnt when you were 18, 19, 20. So I don't think I could uh, weld and machine as very well as I used to. You can, you'd can, you all come back to you if you did. But, yeah, so I, I went the route of, you know, sticking out my freestyle action sports career and it's I've had heaps of opportunities since yeah. four-wheel stuff as well. So I guess I'll just figure out after, you know, maybe some announcing. Obviously, I can talk a lot of shit. Yeah, so. yeah. You did some announcing Supercross, didn't you? In uh, I did Supercross, yeah. I did uh, X Games Sydney, so that was yeah. pretty good. I, I turned on Foxtel I one day and I could hear your voice and I was like, oh, fuck, oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, it's annoying, eh? <laughs> Just turn the subtitles on. That's usually <laughs> the subtitles for me. I don't but, think they could understand you. Yeah, I, I know, especially when I do American stuff, I have to really talk slow yeah. because otherwise – Because they are slow. I say rubbish I say, yeah, I say rubbish bin and they still don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're <laughs> rubbish bin. You're like, hey, mate, where's your rubbish bin? They're like, huh? Trash can. Like, rubbish bin. This needs to get thrown. Oh, you mean a trash can? Like, fucking weird. Uh. So, yeah, I still, I still have a really thick Aussie accent, So especially in Southern California because they're a bit slower here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes just give up. If I meet someone for the first time and it's, say it's a party or something or there's some loud music and that, and I have say like three sentences to them and they're like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I'm like, oh fuck, I give up. This, this bloke's not gonna know what I'm saying. So, but yeah, it's. A, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk like an American though. I only do that when I order stuff through a drive-through. Yeah. <laughs> Number two with onion and a sprite. <laughs> two, two baddies, two baddies. Sprite. Yeah. If you don't say that, it's like a fucking lucky dip when you get to the window. You don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time to wrap it up. We've been talking for a, a fair while, and uh, it's been good to catch up. It's been a yeah, good to see you, mate. Yeah, been a while, mate, and uh, hopefully, you know, post COVID, we can get back on tour. I'm literally just on my visa now for the next few oh, years. Really? So, yeah, so as soon as it gets uh, done, I might even come for a trip to the US anyway and kick your ass in FIFA. Yeah, I need we're, to upgrade we're due. PS5. Yeah, you need a PS5, not the PS3. <laughs> it's been a while since I played, right? Because <laughs> um, that's one thing I did notice on your um, on your web page. Uh, yeah, your- I never did the online stuff because I I just got told that the eight year old kids will just wax you. So I oh. just kept playing with my buddy because we're about <laughs> the same skill level. Yeah, right. No, well, mate. Again, mate. Appreciate you uh, coming on for our first uh, podcast. Nice to meet you too, mate. Yeah, good. Nice and- to meet you, bloke. And well, yeah, well, thanks for having me, boys, and um, no, yeah, pull your pants up. Much, much love, mate. Appreciate it. Catch ya. See you, buddy. See you, guys. And cut. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.